You're listening to This QPOC Life, a podcast that looks at the world through the lens of a queer person of color. We strive to be a safe and inclusive listening space for queer people of color. We also have a variety of views and opinions. Please leave comments on our website, thiscupoc.life, or on our Facebook page, or even send us a tweet at thiscupoclife. Help us build this QPOC community. While you're at it, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just search This QPOC Life on your favorite platform. Don't forget to check out our Patreon page. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of This QPOC Life. You can invest in this podcast, help us continue to create quality content by and for QPOC. Good job, Jonathan. Yeah, you you made really it. Stressful. You I made mean, it. Usually I fuck it up. <laughs> well, I mean, you did, but I mean... <laughs> I did at the very end. We can fix that it was, it was that No, we can't because it was live. It was stick of the dismount, you know? Yeah. Oh. Like the gymnast, you know, when they're like, she they have that little leg. Step. And then they kind of move over. Don't they lose points for that? When they sure I, do. I mean, in my yeah. opinion, I think it shows vulnerability, but I feel for the judges. <laughs> it shows the humanity in us all. It's not RuPaul's Drag Race, honey. It's the Olympics. I'm they the point? same. They're kind of the same. They thing, are. Right? The they pageantry. The pageantry. The scoring system. The scoring system. The w- ladies with broad shoulders. Like it. Mm. <laughs> that's I rude. hate you. That's rude. They're, they're beautiful. And I, no matter what they say. Oh, okay, okay Christina. I hate well, <laughs> hey, everybody out hey, there. Hola, hola, Española. We are here. Yes, we are Hispanic. Hispanic. It's been a while. It's, it's been a while since I joined in on that phrase. Yes. Yeah, we're here today just celebrating a whole bunch of stuff. But today in particular, we have a special guest coming on later. But until we introduce them, I'm going to start off the haze and hellos. I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blasian FMA, everywhere on the internet. And my pronouns are he him, and his. My name is Zachary Eris, and you can find me everywhere on the internet at Zachary Eris. My pronouns are he, him, his. The other ones are just fine, though. My name is Carlos Rios. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Trey Fabulo, and I go by all pronouns, any pronouns, whatever's good for you is good for me, and pay special attention to herses. Please call me Jolie, which is how you will find me on social media. Hello. I can speak today. Mm. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and champagne. So it was mango last week. We went from mango to champagne. But you put that shit together. That's like a Bellini, right? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) First of all, that's grapefruit. (laughs) And this is... And this is... This Cupac That was really good. Was I think, I think next week I'm going to just dissonant. make an actual But it was like song. really far yeah. apart. Yeah. yeah. So just far apart is very wide chord. It was very Gregorian. You know, we're going to have will. two conversations going on at the same time because <laughs> one of them choose is your own adventure credible. like on Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not how it works for listeners at all. <laughs> Left channel, right channel. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it's time to check in, everyone. Classes are well underway. Work is hectic. Auditions and rehearsals are in full swing as we barrel toward the most wonderful time of the year because it is fall. It is cold outside. No credibility. I got to wear a jacket coming into the studio today. <gasps> you know? It's Just wonderful. like a cute sweater. Just like a shawl or whatever. But, you know, cold and flu season is also upon us. Mm. Hurricanes are all around us. Kanye West is at peak Kanye in the Oval Office, and Taylor Swift is fighting for social justice. We are truly in the Upside Down. Yes, we are. Beyonce still had the greatest music video of all time. That's very true. Okay. These are facts. Midterm elections are approaching, and the Aladdin teaser trailer just dropped. The world is on fire! (laughs) All that said, Carlos, how are you keeping your sanity? Well, for me, one of the things that I love to do, and I've shared this on the podcast, and all of us actually participate in this hobby a little bit. So I am video gaming. And recently, I actually purchased two titles. I purchased Mario Party, which I've just sort of toyed around with a little bit because I want to get people over to the house to play it together because that's really how you have fun with it. It requires a lot of people. Otherwise, you're like playing against three computer characters, and that's like sad. And then the other game that I purchased was Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So I've been playing through that. And I really like Assassin's Creed because it has such an involved storyline. And 
And you can be a lady warrior. And you can be a lady or a dude in this one. I chose to be a dude because you can also have romances with men or women. And so my dude is strictly dickly. Like all of the women romances that have been coming my way, I've been like, cut it. None for me, thanks. (laughs) Like, but I will get with this like blacksmith guy who's like hot. Wait, where's Odyssey this time? So the last one was Egypt. It's in ancient Greece. Oh, so it's even like God of War. But yes. Are there like big, is it that type of game or is it like more realistic Greece? Like, um, is, are there gods and things like that? So far, well, I haven't met There's gods in the series. Huh? You ain't never played anything else in the series? I just, spoiler alert to anybody who plays, like, I remember in the second Assassin's Creed. At Don't the, spoil it, Carlos. Have you played the second one? Like, I, in I haven't 2000. played the second one. I, the first one I ever played was four, and I've played every one Way back in the then. day. Don't spoil, it. Don't spoil no. it then for Fire. Carlos. Let Carlos go on their journey. And you find out the <laughs> is an Cute. The is an Oh, yeah. What was that other game that you could play? And it was sort of like free play. It was like on PC at first. Was, For Cadia. Was it Fable? And Wait, you could what? have like a relationship oh, yeah. with whoever you wanted. Fable was one of them. That was, uh, that was a fun game. I liked Fable, but they discontinued. But, you know, enough of us like chouncing all over your self-care yet again. No, that's fine. <laughs> Every I'm, week. I'm used to having my self-care stomped all over and repurposed for other people's self-care. That... That makes is, me feel special. That's the journey of a POC it's, every day. It's true. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to oppression, kids. Um, but that's been going really well. And I'm enjoying the storyline so far. I'm enjoying making my character a big old mo. Yeah, it's keeping me occupied uh, outside of work, which has been super busy. I had a really big presentation this week that I had to deliver, which went flawlessly a couple days ago. So I'm really happy with that. And so far, things are looking up. This Keto Life continues to go on the right trajectory. We're still down at 10, closing in on 11 pounds down. So that's fun and exciting. That's a whole baby. That's, that is, that's more than many babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, literally and shed a child. Times, I could have two. A newborn. In this economy? Yeah. In this economy. In like, these perilous times. Right? But that's enough about me. Zach, how are you doing? I'm Okay. Looking forward Great. to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. You know what I realized? So the other day, it was one of my friend's birthday parties, and I went to this piano bar in New York. Not a certain piano bar mm, Not downtown. the monster. Not that one. I mean, we can call it out by name. Because we, we already did. Right. Oh, we did already we did a whole it. episode we, about it. We did do a whole episode about that. Well, I didn't go to that one. I went to this one on like 20... Six or so. Anyway, long story short, we were there and I realized there's this moment when there were many white people there, but they all started singing the song at the same time. It's the one that goes like... Um, Sweet Caroline? Yeah. Jump? <laughs> no. Like, yeah, I that, just know. The, like, it's the one that's like... White people love that song. Of the people who were there, there were three other POCs, and one of them was sitting across from me at the piano table, and she was kind of looking around uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't know the song. And so we just had this moment where I looked at her, and she looked at me, and then I just did a open palm <laughs> to it. And then she said, hmm? And then I said, and then she said, oh. Uh, yeah. I did a Beyonce hand flip, but you can't really see it. Also, because I'm white passing it, it doesn't really work. No. I mean, it, it goes It goes from it like— It does get whiter. Yeah, I was well, going to say white to whiter. I would say that it goes from Your hands. A, a Fenty 4 <laughs> to a, a, a Fenty 1. It's, so. No, so it's Fenty after it oxidizes and Fenty before it oxidizes. Ooh. Correct. Got it. Um, however, the color change during oxidization is minimal <laughs> as per Sephora. Oh, I know. I'm wearing some under my eyes right now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I, as the listeners cannot see, am not. But, JoJo, on the subject of your makeup self-care, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I have my Fenty Beauty on. Cool. Jonathan, how are you doing? <laughs> Zach, didn't you have a doctor story you wanted to update us on? Oh, this Fen Fen life. Yeah, oh, how's that going? Well, okay, so I have now run go. out of all 30 pills. <laughs> but So he's really hungry today. Yeah. Oh, do you know how many times I've eaten? One and a half. Wait, I thought Whoa. you were supposed to get them. Tomorrow. Refilled. Tomorrow oh, okay. is the doctor. Tomorrow, Dr. Hussein. Mm-hmm. I will 
and he will give them to me. <laughs> Which, then I missed this. Okay, so I'm not trying to be really dark for a moment, but I'm okay. going to say it. So all of a sudden I realized that he had left me a voicemail like two weeks ago, and he was like, hey, you know what? We just got your blood results back. Just give me a call. Like there's this weird enzyme from your liver we just want to take a look oh, at. Oh, everyone's having that now. And I'm like, no, I don't care. But maybe when I'm there, he will. But the problem is because I'm in Bay Ridge, all the Bay Ridge doctors don't have, they won't do ultrasounds in the office or mm-hmm. x-rays. Mm-hmm. There's an imaging center on the West other side. Diagnostic. Of, I hear the devil. I hate that place. I still I owe them, them $50. I I'm not them paying it. So much money all the <laughs> and time. And I, I especially hate the one in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. It's the worst thing. I hate them. They're so rude. Much. It takes forever. Their fish tank is dirty. And <laughs> it is dirty. <laughs> like, you, you can't navigate the space either in the lobby. No. I, but no. that's. <laughs> Have it. That's either here. We'll do an Instagram story in we which said, you and I try to navigate through this. this. In- investigations. Right. <laughs> about West that fish tank. But anyway, Jojo, so how, how are your fish doing? Um, well, I mean, this fish is doing just fine. Thank you. <laughs> okay. But I realized this week, even though I've been like on the poor people's diet lately, it's also me- meant that I've been inadvertently vegetarian for several weeks. Several weeks. Oh. And as I've thought about it, I'm like, I don't miss eating the meat that much at is all. That, is that because we're going to go to Trader Joe's and get the cheesy poofs after this? No, but that's a separate question. And those cheesy poofs are still vegetarian, That's by the true. Way. They're just not vegan. They're e- exactly. Oh, that's right, because vegetarians can eat milk. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, honestly, if, if they couldn't, then there would have been a, wouldn't have been any point because I've basically been surviving on cheese lately. I love cheese. <laughs> I love that you're on your own health journey right no. now. <laughs> cheese. Just cheese. Everything I eat is cheese. It's interesting because I remember being like one of those kids. It's just like, if there's no meat on the plate, it's not a meal. Mm. And now I'm like, eh, maybe not so much. And it's been kind of nice. I'm like, you know what? Meat is kind of expensive anyway. And if it doesn't have to be in every meal, I'm doing... Even better things for the environment. So it's like less plus, yay. And then, yeah, I put on my fancy beauty twice this week. You got to get that trophy wife, mama. It's everything. I know. I love that one. I have it. I wore it for my little mermaid look when I was in Mm P-Town. And you grabbed a man. I grabbed several men. With a fishnet. Manses. It's a hook for fish you can fry, honey. With a song. You buy, we fry. But yeah, it's just, been, it's just been part of this conversation I started with myself last week about what does it mean for me to keep up with myself and to feel good about myself. I don't need the makeup to leave the house, but when I know I have something to go out to and to do, it helps me feel like I'm doing my part to just put my best foot forward. I feel good. I feel confident. I feel fresh. And my eyebrows are popping. We're getting there. We're getting there. We do it. Now, speaking of popping, you popping off this week, Jonathan? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) I am. Uh, I actually am. And that was part of my (laughs) self-care. And that was not planned at all. But um, I've noticed, like, sometimes you have to take a step back when you notice that something's different. So I'm on a new medication. I know that I mentioned it off podcast. And I was going to mention it on the podcast. But my doctor has now switched me over because this new er medication for HIV is allegedly a lot better. Hmm. It's not going to do not, it doesn't have whatever, I don't really pay attention to the scientific names, but it doesn't have the thing in it that would cause like bone damage over the rest of my life, hmm. which I kind of understood that the one that I was taking like before this one was also safe and that the one before Atripla was the one that was bad, which I saw on the news had like a class action lawsuit or whatever. Oh, wow. All that to say that I think it's having an effect on me because like I've been getting into a lot of fights online lately, like more than usual. I was going to say, <laughs> you're, like, everybody you're went for a petty internet brawl. Yeah. So. So. Everybody went, hmm. <laughs> also that, I mean, it could be that or it could just be that I haven't been getting a lot of sleep lately. I've been super busy with uh, production classes here at Brick. We're this weekend going to shoot our second of three movies that we're converting from theater script to a movie. And the screening will be on December 12th, I think, or the 13th, whatever that Wednesday is. That's awesome. Here at Brick. And also, I've been kind of just doing stuff and having fun, I guess. And that keeps me up late at night. As a matter of fact, I think I messaged Zach Late, late one night. Oh, yeah, it was you. Earlier than like... What did you say? Night before last. And I was like, is it safe to have... You, with the dumbest questions, 
I forget what, what it was. What but was I the question? Me- so I, I asked. What it was. I asked. No, I remember. It what was. was it? You were like, "Don't bring that into your house." Oh, Jonathan. No, let no shine a light on it. If you're gonna bring it up, we're gonna talk about it. Jonathan messages me, and he's like, "Is it? Is it like safe to bring someone over who does hard drugs?" And I'm like, "What kind of hard drugs, Jonathan? Like, what does he mean when he says he wants to bring over a pipe?" <laughs> um. <laughs> And I said, well, there's a myriad that you there can do with There are a number of options. Pipe. That is a choose-your-own-adventure. Um, like, but, but I mean, like, what are the real dangers? I'm like, I don't know, him tweaking out and then, like, I didn't know what that meant. Like, but what does tweaking out mean? I felt, I felt like— a- So I didn't, I didn't know if it meant, like, he would faint, and so, like, I would be responsible for the body in my room, or a- if he would go crazy and, like, start stealing stuff or punching B- me, or, like, wake <laughs> up my roommates. Those are all potential options. Those are all part of a choose-your-own-adventure <laughs> with a pipe. <laughs> so, yeah, suffice to say, I ended up doing it, and it all panned out fine. Fine for you or fine for him? I think both of us. Well, that's really good. I'm glad that your ministry is taking you to these outreach moments for people <laughs> who are struggling. Always reaching out. Well, <laughs> Jonathan, I'm really glad that you've had a moment to self-care and um, I forget what you were saying. Anyway. <laughs> so many of us know Harvey Milk, the openly gay official on the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. And while his contributions to the cause are indelible, he was not the first openly LGBTQ person in politics. That honor actually goes to Kathy Kozachenko in 1971. Also, a shout-out for Michigan. So Kathy became— But the the first openly gay person to run, period, in the United States was in 1961, a candidate by the name of Jose Sarria, a.k.a. the Grand Mare, a.k.a. Mama Jose, a.k.a. Absolute Empress Number One de San Francisco, aka the Widow Norton. That's a lot of names. Listen, that's this, how you like, know she's Latinx. Person, this person is titled. The first Latinx person on Game this of Thrones. This person is blessed. This person is unbothered, <laughs> and we will know her. So after he served in the army during World War II, Sadia worked as a cocktail waiter and drag queen at the Black Cat in San Francisco. And in 1961, made the decision to run for the San Francisco Board of Supervisors 17 years before Harvey Milk did. And although Jose did not win, he did break into the top 10 and proved to the city that the gay voting bloc was a force to be reckoned with. (laughs) Jose also just so happened to have found the imperial court system in 1965, which is the second largest LGBTQ organization in the world. What's the first? Uh, it's like, it's. I think it's like a method, community Methodist church. Really? Yeah. It's like the People's Church or something. Or maybe it's Episcopalian, but it, yeah. Hmm. Work. Yeah. That's amazing. Did not know that. And with all that said, we give <laughs> thanks and acknowledgement for Her Royal Majesty, Empress of San Francisco, Jose La Primera, the Widow Norton. God bless you. Mm. Thank you so much. Before we're now. Oh, wow. Last week, we asked you to share your stories using the hashtag ComingOutQPOC. So later on today, we'll be talking about some of those incredible tweets that you posted, as well as talking about why Columbus Day is trash, as well as, oh, remember that time that the three least credible hosts, who are also sitting with me, um, who also struggle on their root note as seen during the ending of last week's wrote episode. This. I wrote it, and it's factual. This Everything like has line. been fact-checked and edited. This script, this script At any rate, the three least credible hosts managed to appear on a show hosted by a considerably more credible host on Sirius XM. Well, if you missed it due to our time machine, please welcome Jorge Olivares. Yeah. Jorge, so for people can't hear, but we only got four mics. So Jorge, yes. come over here. Introduce okay. yourself in your PTP. Yes. See, see. <laughs> oh no. This is why no. we should have just see. Zachary's breaking oh, things. I'm holding a boom mic. <laughs> That's exactly what that is. Uh, so, uh, Jorge Olivares, I'm a host on SiriusXM. Had the pleasure of welcoming three of the hosts of this show onto my program last Saturday, and we had a good little time. I thought we did. And what are your PGPs? Oh, him, he, and I think his. that's his. Yes. 
Perfect. I have to think about it. Sorry. Well, this is great. And Zachary, you make a really elegant mic stand. So <laughs> why don't you just not talk for the rest of the episode? Oh my God, are because, you going to hold it the whole time? Uh, yes. Uh, probably. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> this is what happens. Fuck my drag. Fuck all of your drag. <laughs> and uh, we'll let Jorge we take, the, the, phase, take like, the chair. Wow. Okay, well, fuck my life. Great. <laughs> okay. This is the dangerous mic stand. It is. That's the one that hit me in the mouth. And we are back with Jorge Olivares, host of SiriusXM's Affirmative Reaction. Yay! Yay. So we have kicked our weakest host out and now have a table full <laughs> of clear and present credibility. The nice. most present credibility. Jorge, thank you so much for joining us today. No, thanks for having me, you guys. Yes, and so for those of you listeners who may have not been able to hear our interview on Jorge show, which is on channel 127, the Progress Channel mm-hmm. on Sirius XM. I want to read a little bit about Jorge so you know exactly who he is and where he's coming from. So Jorge Olivares is a media personality, activist, and social commentator who specializes in LGBTQ, Latino, and millennial issues. He hosts Affirmative Reaction on Sirius XM's Progressive Channel. His writing on politics and intersectional identity has appeared in Vice, Playboy, Rolling Stone, Them, and Vox, among others. He is the content creator behind HeyJorge.com and has been profiled by ABC News, MSNBC, NPR, PBS, and, believe it or not, Fox News. Oh my God, yeah. I wow, craziness. Yeah, the Fox News one was kind of crazy. <laughs> oh my God, I love that. That's like, I can't imagine, was it online or was it? So it was specifically because I am a part of a queer ministry, a Catholic ministry here mm-hmm. in New York City. Amazing. And we did a documentary a few years ago and Fox News did a profile in it. I don't think it was the most positive, but sure. I know that it for sure was on Fox News. And so we definitely got, the thing that's been interesting specifically with that identity is a lot of the people that really hate on us are not other Catholics, but other gay people. Mm. Um, A lot of queer people are just very much upset with the idea that we are part of this community Mm -hmm. that has hurt a lot of people and understandably so. But yeah, it's been specifically with that route of the Catholic route. It's been fascinating. Yes. And you know, you're, you know, you're super popular when you just tweet out anything and people randomly attack you. Like we were brought in because <laughs> you were mentioning this QPOC Live on Twitter. And then I would get the notifications. And I'd be like, oh, we're getting interaction. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, you're full of shit. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow he has real haters out yeah. there. I, I've come to realize that in even more so a couple of weeks ago when the Brett Kavanaugh hearings were happening, mm-hmm. I tweeted something and it went viral in the sense that it was like 80,000 likes and 20,000 retweets or something like that. And the amount of hate that I got afterward, it was mainly Latino specific. So it was go back to flipping burgers. You don't even belong here. You're wow. a guest in this country. And for like the first five minutes, it kind of stings a little bit. But then you're just like, I can't be bothered by you. Like, I appreciate that you clicked on my thing and gave me all the notifications and all the unique clicks that I need. But Mm -hmm. I don't need you in my life. And I've had to develop that because I've been in radio for almost eight years now. And you just, because your whole life is out there and because you put yourself out there, like I elect to do it. I choose to put my life out there. And if I'm over here boohooing, crying because somebody's being mean to me online that I'll never meet, then I'm just never going to get through my professional career. Right. So you said that some of the, some of the hate and some of the things that you got specifically in light of the the Kavanaugh tweet that you had put out a couple of weeks ago was very hyper-focused on your identity as mm-hmm. Latino. So I'd love to talk a little bit more about your background and, and where yeah. you come from. And I know we've we've spoken off mic about this before, so <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know where you grew up. But why don't you tell the kids a little bit about your background, your history, and like the community that you grew up in? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in a small town called Eagle Pass, Texas. It's right on the Texas-Mexico border. It's about two and a half hours south of San Antonio. And it is Mexican as hell. Like if you've ever seen the movie Selena and if you haven't, please watch Selena (laughs) tonight, tomorrow and the day after that. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor and just watch it. And so everything that's depicted in the movie Selena is essentially what my childhood was like because it was early 90s and just surrounded by that kind of music that was life. And it's a community that's 99% Mexican and heavily Catholic. And so that's the sphere that I was in. Uh, Didn't know anybody who was gay growing up. My dad's best friend, like 
had a friend who lived with her, but we didn't really know what that meant back then. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> a playpen friend. Little friend yes. too. Gotta love they have that little friend. Every yes. time in every culture it happens. Who's your little, little friend? friend? How's your friend? Is your little friend coming? Mm-hmm. Your roommate in that one bedroom <laughs> apartment? Okay. Oh, I know. So grew up in this small town and then eventually went to college in Austin. I went to the University of Texas at Austin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And got a degree in journalism and a degree in Mexican-American studies because I thought, you know, if I want to tell stories about my community, if I want to talk about what I know, I want to have some sort of credibility to use the word that's uh, sure. being used today. And, and every day. And every day. And to say, you know, like... I can say that I'm talking about these and writing about these stories because I have lived it, but I also want to know that I have the history about it. Right. So that's when you learn about the Chicano movement. That's when you learn Mm -hmm. about the Raza Unida party. Like a lot of things came with my decision to become a Mexican-American studies major. My senior year of college, I was a part of this internship program called ABC News on Campus. Mm -hmm. And so what that was, was ABC News decided to reach out to six different universities and hire students to create content. And so UT Austin was one of them, and I was hired to work with ABC News. And it was about two weeks before graduation, and they said, do you want to move to New York to work at ABC News Network? I said, I don't know. I've I've never left Texas. I've never Mm -hmm. done anything like this. Mm -hmm. And my dad's the one who looked at me, and my dad said, you'd be an idiot if you didn't move to New York. Wow. And so I said, okay. And moved to New York in 2010 and was working at ABC for a little bit. Since I was freelance, I started looking around and I saw that SiriusXM was hiring for a news anchor. Mm -hmm. And since that was my background a little bit, I thought, you know what, I can do this. Go in for the interview and find out it's for the LGBT channel. And I think, well, this is kind of serendipitous that this would be hopefully my foray into media. And I got the job. And so I have been what I call a quote-unquote professional gay since 2010. Where yeah, as opposed about, to an amateur gay. Yeah, an amateur gay at all. Because I've had to talk about LGBT issues. LGBT news have interviewed a lot of LGBT people for the entirety of what my professional life has been. And so it's been very hard to, to not see my own identity tied into my work because it has been since day one. Right. So that's why I love talking about Latino stuff, LGBT stuff, because even when I was on the LGBT channel at Sirius, there was no... Latino rep- representation. Mm-hmm. And even at Sirius and a lot of other big media companies, there's not much Latino representation. Mm-hmm. And if you see my name or you see anything that where my name's on, it's spelled with an X and it can look very complicated and scary for people who don't know what that identity is. I sure was like... <laughs> yeah. It is okay. hard. It is like, hard. How many know. times have you been called Zorge? I've been called Zorge, Zorge, Corky, like random. Corky. Yeah, I love about, that. Totally not like that stuff. Yeah, I just thought if if there's ever going to be a chance for me to be full force, I'm going to say my name the way my name needs to be said. Yeah. I had a lot of people who said when I was first starting out in radio, they're like, uh, your accent's a little thick. Can you please say Jorge Oliveris? And I said, no, because that's eliminating and erasing my entire livelihood from back home. I grew Mm -hmm. up on the border. My parents were very big about this is who you are. This is who you need to be. And you should not be ashamed of it. And so all the time I was like, Jorge Olivares. And, you know, we're talking about a a story with Sanchez and Garcia and Gonzalez and Rodriguez. And I would make sure that I said the names the way that they were meant to be said. Because I'm not going to be that person who tries to say, oh, well, now I live in New York and I'm not going to talk the way that I used to talk. But that's just not right. So I've just been very big about making sure that who you see is the exact person that I've always been, which is this proud Tejano who is super gay and like super into everything. And there's no bones about it. You made me remember something that went through my mind last weekend Mm -hmm. when we were in the studio. I remember, and I didn't know that there was even an origin story to it, but you introducing Carlos and the way you were saying his name, I was like, I was like, I have not heard anybody speak this way since I lived in San Diego. Like, oh, like saying Carlos Rios? Yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. just the because way you say you the name. I should pronounce my yeah. name, but <laughs> yeah. I, mm-hmm. I anglicize it, right? And I think yeah. that that's a big conversation that happens along, uh, well, not just for uh, Latinx people, but all different kinds of people that of have course, names yeah. that are not like English speaker name, traditional English speaker names, mm-hmm. because it's easier to say, because it's more palatable for whatever reason. Yeah. It gets into a lot of identity politics, right? It's, it's, like, oh, yeah. it's like people that we know, like we have a, a good friend who lives here in New York with us who's Chinese, and we call him Tony, Yep, but that's not actually his name. Interesting, yeah. Like, 
that's a name that he's chosen to go by here mm-hmm. so that people can pronounce his oh, yeah. name even oh, though yeah. it's not it's hard to it's really American names. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I find I find that super fascinating. Even the way I spell my last name, like technically the, the I on my mark. last name needs an accent mark. Mm-hmm. And I've I've been in conversations with people where like for our PAO, right. like in the program notes, I always make sure, especially now, it's become more and more important. Like I'm just embracing my Latinidad more and more. Yeah. Like I need that accent mark. It's very important to me. Like in 2018, in this economy, in this place <laughs> no, that we're for at, sure. like I have to, times. I have to really get in and dive in on my Latinx identity. Yeah, my dad gets very upset that I don't use my middle name more. Mm-hmm. What's your middle name? My name is Jorge Andres Olivares. Okay, and so he says. I think it makes me sound a little more Mexican. And I, uh-huh. and parts of me were like, okay, I should totally do that. And parts of me just like, I, because I've never really used my middle name, I have no attachment to my middle name. Uh-huh. It's there and I appreciate that, that it's there, but I'm not going to just use it for ha-has. Like everything that I do, I do it because I, I genuinely feel that way and I genuinely want that to be who I am. And other things that I do, because we were talking about Latinidad and making sure that that's all in the forefront. I like to always leave my little Mexi stash. Like I... I like that when you see me at work, I can be, depending on, you know, if I've been back home or if I'm a little darker at the time, I don't want you to mistake that I'm the Mexican kid who works there. And there's not really a lot of opportunities for me to talk Spanish or Spanglish or just have that moment with anybody. And so in a sea of a lot of Anglos or white people, you mm-hmm. you want to know that, hi, but my voice still matters and me physically being here still counts. Sure. And okay, maybe I'll be a little more aggressive about it by having something that is physically on my face and just says, this is the person you're interacting with. This person has a lived experience that you don't have. And something that was said by <laughs> by one of your coworkers that I had also on my show sure. uh, was this idea of having people, uh, she identifies as African-American. She said, I, I want people to look to me for my black expertise. And that was the phrasing she used. And I want people to use me for my... Mexican knees or however you want to phrase that. Expertise. Expertise. (laughs) And because a lot of decisions are being made for people that don't look like the executives making that decision. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so if you're having an idea about like, "Mm, Latino stuff, Latino stuff. Oh yeah. There's that kid who does this, who does the show, who talks about this. Maybe I should talk to him. And just because the way things are organized at work, sometimes it's a matter of being physically in front of somebody and saying, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're probably the right person I need to talk to. Because the physicality, that's very political and that's very, you might not have to say anything. It's still yeah. a very silent uh, way of expression. Yeah, letting you that, it's all about it, man. So it's like sort of like a, a reverse psychology approach to tokenism. Where, Kinda, yeah. yeah. Like I, I feel like a lot of what I do is expanding on the stereotypes that people have, but at mm-hmm. the same time, But because stereotypes work because stereotypes are a little bit true. And so anything that you can think about stereotypically about Mexicans, a part of that is true for me. Mm -hmm. And if you want to flip it on its head a little bit, but also take advantage of the things that you like about that stereotype, then do it in ways that are comfortable for you. And so I handle things, since I've been doing that for a while, I handle it in a way that I know that I'm doing it without trying to put my own identity or community in a bad light. I think it is an education process talking about like where you come from, who you are, mm-hmm. and why why you do things the way you do it. And sometimes you do it to the nth degree in order to shine a bigger light. Like, yay, I'm doing this like super forcefully, because if I don't do it forcefully, then it'll completely go over your head. Now, did we talk about your coming out experience already? I don't think we did, but my coming out experience was very crazy in the sense that, so I was talking about how I started working on the LGBT channel Mm -hmm. and I hadn't come out until I moved to New York because I thought if my parents are going to disown me because of the Mexican thing, because of the Catholic thing, I'm fine. I live on my own. So I started, I got the job at the LGBT channel and I was still wasn't out to my parents. Mm-hmm. And so my parents kept saying, what channel are you on? We want to listen to you. Oh, what is no. this? What Here is that? Go. And so I just said, uh, I don't know. We'll talk about it later. And I just kept pushing it off, pushing it off and pushing it off. So finally it was, it was around this time of the year. It was back in 2010. And I told my sister, whom I had known for quite some time, I said, I think I need to finally just say something. So we had a Skype date and my sister was at my house back home and they have the computer open, have the conversation. 
And in the course of us talking, I said, well, you know, you guys have been asking what channel I'm on and I am on the LGBT channel. And now that we're also talking about it, I'm dating Jerry. And Jerry was my college roommate. I lived with a few other people. But my parents knew Jerry and hung out with Jerry and did stuff when we were all in college. Like we were all just a big family. Mm-hmm. And so I never said the words, I'm gay to my family. Wow. I said, I'm dating Jerry. And that was my way of like, all right, take it with the grain of salt. How are you going to go? And then it was like, beat, beat, beat. And then my dad changes the subject. Oh. So then we go on with a Skype date for like another hour. Mm-hmm. Have no mention whatsoever about what I just said. So finally, it gets really late. And I said, all right, I'm going to go to bed now. And uh, so we end the Skype date. And then I call my sister like about a couple minutes later. And I said, so what did they say? And uh, she said, well, I, I asked them, do you want do you want to talk about it? Do you have anything to say? And they said no. And then they went into their room and they closed the door. Now we are an open door household. The doors are never closed. Oh. When we go to sleep, when we do anything, the doors are never closed. And so even something that small that might not mean anything was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it was a big... It's a big thing. Mm-hmm. So the next day my mom was exactly what you want parents to be in this sort of situation. Sent me all the wonderful texts and said all the I love yous and it was what I needed. My dad took a considerably long time for me to even just talk to me and have that conversation with me about what he was feeling. And... Since then, like he and I have had talks about it and he said, I just, I don't like the idea that people feel a certain way about you first because you're Mexican-American, but now because you're gay and I can't protect you. He said, maybe if you lived in our hometown, I could kind of do something, but you live thousands of miles away from us. If something were to happen to you, what do I do? I have, I, I'm completely helpless. And hearing that changed my entire approach to the whole thing, especially with my dad. But since then, I have been very grateful to my mom because my mom has had to do a lot of the coming out for me Mm. with other family members Mm. because I'm over here. I don't have time to deal with this aunt or this uncle or this with everybody. With all the tias. Yeah, with all the tias and tios and, you know. Invite them all over for a grand announcement. For the biggest (laughs) Skype date ever. Totally gay. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so like I, I feel like I owe my mom quite a bit because she's the one who did the rest of the coming out process mm. for me. But I do always say that I think it's weird that I was out to the rest of the country before I was out to my parents. Wow. Because yeah. when you are talking about LGBT stuff and your voice is on the LGBT channel, there's a weird vulnerability that you've allowed other people to witness before you let your parents witness. Wow. And part of that was easier for me because I didn't know these people who were on the other end of the radio. I didn't... Right know about their life story. I didn't know where they were coming from. I don't know how they felt about me. Um, But I knew that my parents would clearly feel another way. Um, So yeah, when I finally told them and they were finally like, we were all on the same page. It's been as wonderful as you would want it to be. It's been great. So how did affirmative reaction come to be? Come to life. Yeah, Yeah. So I... When I was on the LGBT channel, I had a chance to host a monthly show called LGBT, Let's mm-hmm. Get Busy Talking. And what I, like I would that. do was I would just choose a topic. So one was Christianity and the other one was pride and how pride just is not indicative of where we are as a community because it mm-hmm. doesn't incorporate everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I, the LGBT channel was dissolved for a lot of reasons that are aggravating to me. But I eventually moved to another channel and I was specifically just in a producer role. Mm -hmm. And then finally, somebody was hired for the channel that Affirmative Reaction is on, Series X in Progress. And she said, I've heard wonderful things about you. I've heard you've done this, you've done that, you've done this, you've done that. Why don't you have a show? And I said, "I, I would love a show. And so in 2017, I was part of this roster of people who would do like trial shows. Mm -hmm. And so they put me on the air once a week for three hours. And I was in charge of booking my guests, creating my segments and making sure the conversation went. So then I did that and I was told, all right, we just have to 
talk to a few people, see a few things, iron out a few details. And then at the beginning of this year, the same person who leads the channel brought me into her office and she said, I just want to say hi to the next weekly host that we have on our channel. Oh, oh she did wow. that. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> and she said, what do you want to call it? And I said, let me think about that. Because I've had thoughts about what I would call my show forever. Like right. I've always wanted to have my own show and now it was right in front of me. And I thought... I have to have, this was obviously post-Trump election, so I thought, I want something that that has a catchy title, but also says something in it. And so I had a notebook, and I was writing down names, writing down names, writing down names. And I don't know why it just hit me. I was like, affirmative action, affirmative, re affirmative reaction. Like, I like it because it's a play on affirmative action, but it also says something because in this weird day and age that we're in, you can have an affirmative reaction to things in your life. Like mm -hmm. you don't have to always be negative and right. just toxic and everything else that's going on. And so I brought that to her and she said, that's, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's, fan that's fantastic. That. Yeah. It's been, it's been wonderful. Like just the idea of knowing that I'm like in my eighth month of doing my show, it's been so much fun. So How cool. cool. Yeah. So for our last question, before we move on to the next part of our podcast, where we'll talk about some of the nonsense that's going on in the world today, yeah. given that it is Latinx and Hispanic Heritage Month, and that's what we're celebrating on our podcast today, mm -hmm. what would you say that heritage or your heritage, what do you say that that means to you? I do not know what life would be like if I wasn't from the border. Like, I have always navigated this weird purgatory of, like, Mexican culture, American culture, and not knowing where one ends and the other begins. Mm. So I go home, and it's hard to describe. Only, like, people on the border speak this certain language that only other people on the border speak. Okay. And you just get it. Like, you know what that life is like. You know that to survive, you have to know Spanglish or Spanish. That you know what tacos are like in, like, 3 a.m. in the morning, you know what? Listening to banda music or rancheras or conjunto music. Said tacos, like, though. See, tacos? <laughs> yeah, it's not, a, it's not a hard tea. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, it's 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 hard because I feel like there's days where I'm so more Mexican than I am American, but then there are other days where I'm far more American than I am Mexican, and that's having to do with the fact that I just don't live in the border anymore. Okay. But I everything that I do, especially when it comes to my show and the writing that I do, especially with the writing, like you're always told to write what you know. I only know border life. Well, that's not true. I know New York life now, but I can speak about border life because that's been my life for mm -hmm. 30 years now. Even though I haven't lived there for eight years, I still know what that feeling is mm -hmm. of going to church and knowing everybody, about going to the parade and knowing everybody and going to this thing called Noches Mexicanas where everybody goes downtown and everybody gets the elote and everybody gets all this stuff. Like, it's so much about the music, about the food, about the language, about just knowing that people get it. Like, you just get it when you go home. And even... Even when you talk to somebody who's not from the border, there's something that Latinos just get about the other. And I think that's part of growing up as a marginalized person, growing up in this constant level of oppression. People of color always look out for other people of color. And, well, most of the time. Yeah, I will say most of the time. Um, skin folk ain't kin folk. That's true. <laughs> but, but in my experience, I've been very blessed to know that the reason I am where I am, a lot of it is because I've had other people of color help me. And that's part of what I like doing with the show, like giving a chance for other people of color to talk about all the crazy cool things they're doing. And because why not? Like if I'm not going to do it, why can I expect somebody else to do it who doesn't have my identity? Right. So if somebody needs to be rah, 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 Tejano, Latino, whatever, then it should be one of the people who actually has that as who they are. Um, so yeah, hashtag Puro Tejano all the way. I love it. Thank you so much, Jorge. And we're going to keep you for the rest of the show. Don't worry. When we come back, we're going to spill a little tea with Jorge about a man who drove this wooden ship and crashed on someone's backyard like 500-ish years ago. Three, three oh, wooden ships. Three like, wooden ships. I was like, who? <laughs> Spoiler alert. It's Christopher Columbus. And uh, talk about some like, of the stories of National Coming Out Day that you have provided our wonderful listeners through our hashtag. Uh, but first, a quick word from our sponsors. You know what we don't have? The nerve. The right? The credibility. 
sponsors. But if you'd like to be one, send us a message or an email or slide into our DMs. That's ask at this cubock.life. <laughs> yes. And we promise to read your script better than we read this one. Well, it wasn't written on there. It wasn't written on there, though. Sweet. You wanted to ad lib, and I said, you know what? I'm going to ad lib all I can. Because I don't have the right words and no background singer. Oh my God, I love these. Thank you. From the January. So October the 8th was an enormous celebration for one day sales and <laughs> discounts at your favorite My linens are 20% off. Thank you I so much. <laughs> and they have never been fresher. Uh, the freshest. <laughs> the crispest. <laughs> the crispest. So October 8th was previously known to some people as Columbus Day. But I don't know her. Has been... Nope. Fairly recently reinvented, rebranded as Indigenous Peoples Day. And so we wanted to take a few minutes just to talk about that because it's, you could call it a heated conversation and point of debate for some folks, I suppose. Yeah? I mean, yeah, when we think about it, right? So Columbus Day was meant to celebrate Christopher Columbus and this lie that we've been taught in elementary and beyond Uh, education that Columbus discovered America. He didn't actually do that. He spent more time in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. and maybe got into some parts of South America. Maybe. But he came over here thinking that he had found India, which is why he called the first people that he found here, which you can't discover something that was already inhabited and discovered by indigenous people. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother thing. And so in 1937, the Knights of Columbus which was a group that wanted a white, Italian, Catholic, male person to be a figure that other people could look up to, Mm -hmm. proposed that we create a holiday, a national holiday, to honor someone on the same level as Martin Luther King or Abraham Mm -hmm. Lincoln and George Washington. Except Martin Luther King hadn't come along yet. Well, yeah, well, I know, that. but it's it's an honor that <laughs> but the now opposition that came shared. with trying gotcha. to name Martin Luther King Day, right? Um, mm-hmm. John McCain, exactly. So, to to celebrate this man for all of the great stuff that he's done, and now anybody who has any sort of close up look in their life, you can find dirt. I think there's a Knights of Columbus chapter in Diker Heights in Brooklyn, Probably. as a matter of fact. I think I've I've been to. to Somebody had their, their Sweet 16 there. The Knights of Columbus have such a huge, especially if you come from a very big Catholic community like my hometown, if you are a Knights of Columbus, you're so revered. Like everybody, mm-hmm. you have the sword and the oh. wonderful garb and the big old hat with the plumes. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a big deal. And my dad was supposed to be one, but then he didn't want to pay the dues and like any good Mexican. And so <laughs> he wasn't that, but it's, it's huge, the amount of emphasis that's placed on the Knights of Columbus and Columbus in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we take a look very closely at Christopher Columbus's life, he actually had a lot of very problematic things that he did, like eradicate pretty much an entire people group yep. that were living on these islands. Basically, the very people. systemically, with directions in his letters and everything in his books. Like, I remember, I, I shared this story quickly on our, our group chat, how... In elementary school. So I went to um, PS48 in Bensonhurst in Brooklyn. Oh, nice. Bensonhurst is, it's a mixed neighborhood, but it's very heavily Italian and Jewish. And also it's got a mixture of, of Middle Eastern and Chinese folks living over there. So there was always a huge Columbus Day parade fair going oh, on down 18th Avenue. So my school would have like some of the the students march during the parade because it happened on a school day. And I remember in fourth grade, (laughs) um, they picked my class to do it. And we're learning like, you know, hey, hey, here's what we say. Thanks, Columbus, for showing the way. I can't believe I still remember that shit. Wow, that's ingrained. (laughs) The trauma. (laughs) So by that time, I remember my, my sister and my cousin who had, you know, by then learned like the truth about Columbus Mm -hmm. in school. And... They told me about it and getting like we're lining up to do the parade and I just didn't want to do it because I'm like, fuck this guy. I didn't say that out loud because I was a good Christian child at this. <laughs> Bless a little you. Boy. 
Um, and so I was just like, I can't do this. I'm not doing this. So I faked a headache and my, my, my dad had to come pick me up because I was just, I wasn't having it. I wasn't doing it. So, yeah, that's crazy. Y'all had parades for that. Mm -hmm. It was huge too. Like it was an entire fair, like stands up and down 18th Avenue selling sausage and peppers and shit. Yeah. And it becomes a big day to celebrate Italian-American heritage, which I think is great. And yes, let's that maybe is just awesome. celebrate yeah. that only right. and not honor. Like, I'm here for an Italian heritage pride moment. Yes. Mm-hmm. But you can leave Christopher Columbus out of it. All Thank the you. pasta. But what about the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria, you guys? Fuck all of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all skin folk. <laughs> I don't know. I know that my favorite thing that I saw this year with regard to Columbus Day was this meme from our, not officially sister, but sister podcast, This Filipino American Life. Oh. A picture that said, Happy Indigenous People's Day from the people that killed Magellan. Yes. Ooh. It was very cute. So uh, we want to ask you listeners out there to share your stories on Twitter. When did you last fake an illness to avoid uncomfortable groupings (laughs) of white people? (laughs) And with that, we'll be right back. Okay, y'all, it is time for the bloop of the week. Bloop. And this one was actually a special write-up by Jonathan on our blog. You can catch on this Live. Got us so many visitors. So many visitors. <laughs> a lot. Come on, incoming so, traffic. Thank you, everyone and, who and broke read the story and before like Tower Load and all the other outlets. So we oh, really got the traffic. We are okay. handing out scoops, ladies and gentlemen, like Hell Baskin yeah. Robbins. Thank I love you. it. Nice. So on October fifth, uh, New York New York City driver Sean Paypas. Okay, Sean Pepes. That's I don't know. So funny because Pepa <laughs> means something in like Mexican Spanish. <laughs> it's really so we'll t- we'll we'll stick to Pepes then. So Sean Pepes <laughs> <laughs> uh, picked up Robert Ortiz and his friends. Uh, it's unclear where they were destined to arrive, but the ride came to an abrupt halt after Ortiz allegedly asked for music to be played, and Pepes flatly told Ortiz and company. No. From there, the car was pulled over and Ortiz called the police. So what followed was a 16-minute recording of Pepas exercising the patience of the ancestors. <laughs> he calmly recorded Ortiz, first arguing with the police, presumably a 911 operator, and then battling the lift or Uber, its unclear representatives. But throughout the tirade, Ortiz reveals that his government name is Robert Ortiz. He says his actual phone number, as well as one of his alleged employers, City MD. Ortiz can also be heard claiming that Pepas, <laughs> sorry, it's so weird saying that, <laughs> is uh, racist against gays because he, Ortiz, is not black. Ortiz also states that he fears for his safety because of Pepas, the driver. And so he concludes that he should just stay in the driver's car. Additionally, Ortiz declares that he pays his taxes so that people like Pepas can be here and that he, meaning Ortiz, voted for Trump. If you haven't gotten the picture yet, Sean Pepas is... We haven't said that. Oh. Oh. Catch on. Plot twist! Plot twist! (laughs) Why he thought doing this while being recorded was advantageous, the world may never know. The total cost of the Uber or Lyft or right via, sure. I don't know, was a little over $8. $8? Don't trust. <laughs> he got his $8 back, honey. Uh, we also know that his social media has been blowing up in the wake of this video. And now it's dropped anchor over at the City MD Facebook page, his employer, to make their satisfaction with this employee known. But how are you going to dox yourself? That's what I want to know. And he knew because he was like, <laughs> he's recording me and he still said like the things. But like you have to watch the 16-minute video. We're not going to play any of it here. It's going around like crazy. I saw it on Facebook first and then I was just like I was reading some of the comments and actually Rafi, who has been a guest on here from the Anti-Violence Project. And also like stand number one. Oh, yeah. Nice. And, and is a very, day one. very active in the Latinx community, especially where prevention and also uh, queer homeless youth are concerned. Mm-hmm. Straight up said like this is, they didn't call people out. They didn't actually at anybody, but they were like, 
this is something in our house that we need to get in order, this anti-blackness. Because Ortiz was also calling him the N-word in his face, trying Ugh. to get a reaction out of him so that he would hit him. And then, mm. like, and she would use that as something, too. Yeah. So it's just like I wanted to have that conversation about, like, earlier you were like, you said uh, uh, people of color usually stick together. And then you caught yourself and was but like. It's true because they don't. The, the, this idea of prejudice is still a thing, even if you're not somebody. If you're a person of color, you can still have prejudice. Mm -hmm. I, you can't necessarily be racist because that means you have authority over another and you don't when you are a person of color. But it is true. I think a lot of people don't like having the conversation about how a lot of Latinos don't like a lot of African-Americans and vice versa. And mm -hmm. there's always been this weird yeah. rift. Um, and you just want to say, look, we're kind of in the same arena because people don't like you or um, white people don't like you, white people don't like us. And we have all these things that are working against us. So why don't we work together against all of those things. But it's just this generational thing where people will tell you, grandparents will tell their grandkids and everybody else mm -hmm. that, oh, ese no, you don't hang out with that one. Right. Or ese no, you don't hang out with that one. And it's very unfortunate, but it's just the reality of where we are. Yeah, and it happens like, to quote a really, I was going to say, I, I can't even come up with the names like Carlos does, but to quote somebody in <laughs> in the presidency, um, oh, it's on it's on all sides, right? Like, because growing up Filipino, I had black friends. I had a black friend that would come over and spend the night, and then my Lola would be like, "Jonathan, you cannot have that one over anymore." It's like, mm -hmm. what? Like, this is my friend. Like, that's racist as fuck, or like prejudice as hell. And going back to your earlier point, like about how we, you know, anytime you get into that argument with people online about oh, racism equals prejudice, prejudice plus power, and then people reject that. They're like, it's not that, it's the dictionary definition of it. It's like, at the end of the day, whatever you want to call it, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, we're talking right. about institutionalized power over someone else based and thinking that you're su superior white people over other people and having the ability to exercise that over others. It's because everybody seems to take it personally. When you say white people are just, because the way society treats them, they have an advantage over other people of color. Mm -hmm. And so when you say that, well, I don't, I, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, you don't know my background. Okay, first off, calm down. I'm not talking about you personally. Right. But you oh, have to understand, to they, do, they love to take it personally, but you have to understand that the way society works, you do are, you have an advantage. You have an advantage that unlike the people of color who are a part of this world, they will never have. And just acknowledging that and seeing how it has hurt a lot of people along the way, that doesn't cost you anything. Yeah. And right. so like one more dynamic that I wanted to bring up in here is people of color treating other people of color like shit. We know that that doesn't help on whoever does it. There I ask, like, what are you thinking? This is how you've been treated. Why would you treat someone else like that? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes when, especially when we're talking about having power over people, when you're, when you're accustomed to not having power and you have a moment to feel like you can have power over someone, you're going to be inclined to take it. And that's why we have bullies, because bullies feel the need to exercise power over people and to demonstrate power over people. So sometimes having that power trip is just, it's too... What is the word I'm looking for? Invigorating, intoxicating. Intoxicating, invigorating. Thank, thank you off Mike Zachary. <laughs> Come on, producer. <laughs> so I understand how it happens. It doesn't mean that it's great. I just, it was hard for me to even start watching the video because, and, and Rafi, I know you're listening out there. You and I both know that looked exactly like one too many conversations that happens at Center Youth amongst the kids. Because, oh my gosh, if, I mean, I never needed to, what was that terrible show, The A-List on Bravo? Oh, oh God, I used to live for that show. Yeah, and I was like, show. my friend started watching it and I'm like, why are we watching this? We can just go to the center and see this for free. Oh my God. Terrible. Like, honestly. <laughs> but here's the, here's the final thing that I, I want to say out there too for our wonderful Latinx family that's out there that thinks it's cool to be sideways to black people and other people of color. Like, you might feel very comfortable in a certain amount of privilege and feel like, hey, maybe you've graduated to whiteness. Like, other people have graduated to whiteness in certain aspects of society. Like Italians. Like Italians <laughs> on Columbus Day. But... Just remember, there will always come a time when white people will remind you that you're not white. 
And on that, let's take a break. <laughs> that was like a little punctuation mark. Oh, yes. Last week, we started the hashtag coming out QPOC, and this week, we take a look at some of the powerful stories you shared. It's been really exciting to see the interaction on Twitter from the hashtag coming out QPOC. We've got a couple of tweets that we're going to share with you all, but don't forget to keep tweeting at us and keep using the hashtag. We want to hear more and more of your stories and incorporate content from you, our amazing listeners into our podcast on a regular basis. Because coming out as a QPOC is still a radical act. Exactly. And we're never what? Done coming out. Hello. It's not a destination. It's a journey. I've come out four times. Thank you. (laughs) Seven times I called you, honey. (laughs) So, at My Story Out Loud tweeted this story from Darian of Atlanta. Darian, Atlanta. I am a proud gay Black man. At age 16, I decided to embrace my sexuality. I let the world know I was a man who was attracted to other men. I chose to no longer fight or hide who I truly am. Hashtag coming out day. Hashtag coming out QPOC. Come on, Darian. So another podcast that details a fine line between pop culture and political policy, which is called At the Intersection tweeted, Happy National Coming Out Day knowing that there are different ways that you can be in this world matters so much. That's why QPOC representation is crucial. So you can check it out on our episode today. So please, we'll we'll include a link in the show notes to this sister podcast so you can check out what they have to say. And you know what? You know, let's get QPOC podcasts supporting other QPOC podcasts. And of course, an incredible story from Casey Caffeine. Uh, Go give them a follow. We just retweeted their entire story, which gave a collective... I don't know what that is. (laughs) Moment. (laughs) Their final tweet. This is this Cupac life? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Their final tweet, though, we all need to take a listen to. So it's actually... I I retweeted the whole thing. It was very, very touching, but it uh, wrapped up with... So on this national coming out day, remember... This is a daily process. Hashtag coming out. QPOC. Let's stand together and uplift each other. I was going to read the whole thing on here, but I decided you should go read it yourself. It's a journey. It is a journey. It is hashtag (laughs) worth it. Just like coming out. It is a journey. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Look at that full circle moment. I I love love a full circle moment. And speaking of full circles, we'll be right back. My goodness, what an episode, you all. This what has a been fellowship. What a joy, what a joy divine. divine. Thank Leaning. you so much. People get ready. Jesus is coming. <laughs> Soon we'll be going home. Oh. No. Shout out no. to Crystal Lewis. <laughs> no. Actually, oh like low-key, low high-key, I was listening to that song this morning. Right? <laughs> and as that is I was a white listen- gospel artist. <laughs> she, first of all, she can sing. She, she can blow. But I was listening to that song in particular, and I was listening to the lyrics, and I'm like, this song is hella problematic now. (laughs) Now that I'm like liberal Christian, I'm like, oh, this is like only some people will go to heaven. And like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh no, this is not how this works. (laughs) But at any rate, this has been an amazing episode. We've had a great celebration and I hope that you all enjoy that and have enjoyed your time as we celebrate Latinx and Hispanic Heritage Month, as we continue to celebrate LGBTQ History Month. And as we make the way for more and more things to celebrate, including our birthday, birthday. and it'll be our next episode or the episode after that, I can't even keep track. I think next week will be our anniversary episode. Oh my gosh. So get ready. One year of this QPOC life. We are so excited to share that moment with you all. But for now, it's time for us to say goodbye. Thank you so much to Jorge Olivares for joining us as our very special guest uh, correspondent, co-host, interviewee, and just overall amazing human being. Just, you Thanks know, y'all. serving at every ball. Thank yeah, you. you. Giving know? it to you. Yes. Luke, House of Jimenez. Thank you. Oh, yes, because yes. that came yes. up. Talking about that. Let's not forget, we're going to get him all up in drags sooner or later. Just keep an eye out on this Q-Pock Live podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll it's post, a new journey. We'll post photos. We'll post photos. We'll do a Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, friends, I'm Carlos. You may call me Jolie. I'm Jonathan, a.k.a. Blation FMA. 
I'm Jorge Olivares. I'm Zach. And this was... This Q-Pop Life! Okay. No, well, you're off mic now. Well, you have no power be like here. Really beautiful, like, be gone. This moment where <laughs> it would be like slightly off like I was like a... Um, like always? Like a back... Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I might go to vote fast tomorrow. Y'all are inspiring me. Do it. I know. I, I've been thinking about buying heels. I don't have heels. This episode of This Cute Buck Life was recorded at Brick Arts Media House in downtown Brooklyn, New York. Remember, you can talk to us at This Cupac Life on social media and our website, www.thiscupac.life. You can also email us using ask at thiscupac.life. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with your friends and rate us on Apple Podcasts and Facebook. Thank you for being a part of This Cupac Family. 